What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Football Fanatic, your source for the latest NFL news, projections, and analysis. My name is Jacob Galpo, and today, as promised, we will be going through the wide receiver rankings for 2017 fantasy football. Um, I'm pretty pumped. There is apparently going to be um, a fantasy football league for anchor sports hosts, so that is going to be awesome. That'll really open up a window for interviews and uh, smack talk, too. So I think uh, it's really going to be a lot of fun to do that. I'm going to enjoy it. So uh, let's get into the projections. But before we do that, uh, there's a few news items to get to. So let's talk about them. The Carolina Panthers have added $2 million in incentives to Greg Olson, their tight ends contract. Uh, it's not extending his contract. It's not any longer. Um, just adding some incentives to him. So I think that'll uh, help him be motivated to do better as if he didn't have enough motivation already. Um, one of the better tight ends in the league, so I, I'm pretty high on him. I, I've seen a few people who actually who have him ranked as their number one tight end above Travis Kelsey, above Rob Gronkowski. I'm not really sure if I buy into that, but he is very good, very solid, a high floor, so uh, definitely worth picking up. Uh, and he seems to be going at a pretty reasonable rate, so if you're looking for a tight end in fantasy, that is definitely one of the guys that I've been keeping my eye on, and you probably could do that too. The Vontaze perfect suspension has been knocked down to three games. Yesterday we talked about that. It was at five games, and he appealed the suspension. The ruling has already come out, and it's knocked down to three. So um, he still has a suspension. He'll still be gone for a while, along with Adam Jones uh, for the Bengals, but he did get that knocked down, so I guess a win for him? I don't know. Reportedly, the Seahawks are looking to trade Jermaine Kearse. Um, he's been a guy he's not... But big on the team. I mean, Doug Baldwin is their main receiver. Um, but beyond that, if you try and name a receiver, you got Tyler Lockett, who hasn't done... He's more of a... He, he's a pretty good player in real life, not a great player in fantasy. Uh, Jermaine Curse hasn't really ever been on the fantasy radar either, but it did seem like he was a pretty decent part of that offense. But now they're looking to trade him. Uh, reportedly, I've heard the Browns are potentially interested in him. Um, but no word on whether or not that's actually going to happen or any other team's interest. So, um, as always, I will definitely keep you guys updated as I hear more. The Ezekiel Elliott case officially ended yesterday, um, but there will not be a ruling yet. Uh, apparently, they are under pressure to have a ruling out by Monday, and I'm guessing that means that there will be a ruling by Monday, but I'm not really sure. Um, as soon as that comes out, obviously... I will update this as soon as I hear. Um, I try to keep pretty up-to-date with that stuff. I follow a lot of Twitter accounts and stay close um, with the news. So I will make sure that I find that out as soon as I can. But for now, I don't expect to have an answer until next week. This one isn't news, but just something that I thought was kind of funny. Um, not if you are one of the people that I'm going to be talking about, but um, for the rest of us. This is a this is the reason that you do not draft early. Uh, according to ESPN, there are 2,700 teams in their leagues. Just in ESPN, that doesn't count NFL or Yahoo leagues. Um, but just in ESPN, there are 2,700 teams who have Julian Edelman, Spencer Ware, and Cameron Meredith on their rosters. Not just one of them, but all three of them. And, yeah, it would suck to be those guys. You already got half your bench that you lost. 
And I mean, really, Ware and Edelman are not drafted as bench players. So you lost two starters, and Meredith, who was most likely a bench dash, unless you're playing in a really deep league. Um, yeah, that's why I like to wait until a little later in the preseason. I got a little overeager and drafted early in some leagues this year, but fortunately those guys were already ones that I wasn't really looking for anyway. So I got lucky with that, but be careful how early you draft in your fantasy leagues next year. All right, for those of you who have not listened to one of these yet, uh, I've done quarterbacks and running backs so far, but basically what we do in these episodes is we go through the rankings. Um, we go, we just look at, uh, I don't make my own rankings, I'm looking at rankings by um, another source. This time we're doing ESPN. I believe that's what I did for the other ones as well. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but I'm looking at ESPN's wide receiver rankings and basically just going through them and offering some quick thoughts on them. Uh, there are a lot more receivers than quarterbacks and running backs that will be eligible, so this might turn into a little longer episode. Uh, I'll try and keep my comments a little bit shorter since there's so many of them, but that is basically how this is going to go. So let's jump into it. Number one, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, is Antonio Brown. Guys, don't overthink this. Antonio Brown is the number one receiver in the league. There are definitely guys like who are going to. There are definitely guys who are going to outperform him week to week, but Antonio Brown is the most consistent wide receiver in the league. There's really. I don't think you can argue against that. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., those guys, they have their weeks, but they also have their down weeks too. And Antonio Brown is just so consistent. There's no reason that he shouldn't be number one, and that's why he's always at the top of these lists. Number two on this list is Julio Jones. Uh, this one that he and Odell, who is number three, those two could be flip-flop depending on what you look at. I think really... Uh, originally, I saw Odell was at number two, and I think the reason that he's been bumped down to three is because of his ankle injury that he has right now, um, which is not, it's not serious, but he may lose a game or two, which, uh, that, that'd be the reason, that'd be the breaker for me uh, to draft Julio Jones first. Um, that's what I've been doing, but I mean, really, it's a toss-up between the two. They're both so good. Julio Jones really the focal point on an offense that was just fantastic last year with Matt Ryan. The MVP still throwing there. They still got Mohamed Sanu and Taylor Gabriel, but those are definitely not going to get the kind of volume and production that Julio Jones will. So Julio Jones, number two in the wide receiver rankings. Number three, as I mentioned, Odell Beckham. He's had this ankle injury scare, but it's nothing to be worried about. He may miss a game, maybe two, but once he, once he comes back, unless it's an uh, injury that's going to linger, which it sounds like it's not supposed to be that, but he will be just fine. Uh, and one thing that I should mention, in the past two years, both years he has started slow, so if you have Odell on your team and he doesn't do that well the first few weeks, don't panic, don't trade him low or anything like that, hang on to him. He always starts to heat up towards midseason and into the postseason. Um, unless you're in my league, then you can trade him to me low. I don't have a problem with that. Um, but yeah, don't don't be scared if he starts off the season a little bit slower, especially with the ankle injury. Wide receiver four on this list is AJ Green. This is another one where I think he or number five could easily be flipped, and that's what I've heard from many others as well. Um, Green is on an offense that doesn't have as many options, though, which I think is why he's being ranked at number four, and I have no problem with this ranking either. You got Andy Dalton throwing him the football, who, as I've talked about in a few other episodes, a little worried about him with his offensive line. I feel like he may struggle, 
But a lot of people don't seem to be worried about that, so maybe I'm overreacting about the offensive line. But they have a lot of talent on that offense. They've got uh, Mixon, Hill, and Bernard in the back the backfield. Uh, Bernard being the main pass catcher. Um, Tyler Eifert at tight end, who, as long as he can stay healthy, is a touchdown machine. And they got Tyler Boyd and Brandon LaFell at receiver. Um, you hear both of those names. They're talented guys, but... A.J. Green is the obvious number one guy in that offense. Had an injury at the end of last year uh, that took his value down a little bit, but other than that, was very, very consistent um, and very good. So, yeah, no, again, no problem with this ranking. And most of these guys at the top, um, not going to have a problem, just going to do a little analysis on their situations. Wide receiver five is Jordy Nelson, and I'm a Packer fan, as I've mentioned. Um... But Jordy, Mouse, Jordy Nelson is a machine. He had 14 touchdowns last year. And there was actually a stat that Matthew Barry gave, and I don't remember the exact stat. I believe um, it was something like this. He's number three in total touchdowns in the past either two or three years. He's ranked number three despite missing the entirety of two seasons ago. Um, yeah, so it was a three-year three span. And despite two years ago missing the entire season, he's still number three in touchdowns to Antonio Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham, I think. So, yeah, that's insane when you think about that. Aaron Rodgers loves to throw it to Jordy Nelson in the red zone. Um, just an obvious target, a big body, and trustworthy hands. Uh, really has a good sense for where the out-of-bounds line is and stuff like that, so... Jordan Nelson, a very good option. I think his value goes down a little bit in PPR because he lately, at least, has not been much of a volume guy. But in standard, he is a red zone machine. So definitely don't fear picking him up at number five. I've even seen him go higher, sometimes pick number five. So you can't go wrong drafting Jordy Nelson. Number six on this list is Mike Evans, who I am really excited about this year. Um, even last year he was very good, but this year he has so many more weapons around him. Uh, James Winston last year pretty much just had Mike Evans to throw to this year. He's got him along with Cameron Braid, O.J. Howard, who they just drafted, Deshaun Jackson. And this is also one that I mentioned, uh, I think, in the offseason talk episode for the NFC South when I talked about the Buccaneers. Um, Mike Evans, almost every play last year was in double coverage. Uh, I think having Deshaun Jackson, the deep threat, will really, really open up the field for Mike Evans, and that's going to get him that much more volume. So even though he was great last year, I think he can be even better this year as long as he can stay healthy. Number seven is Michael Thomas for the Saints. And uh, in the past few years, I haven't really liked drafting wide receivers for the Saints simply because there's so many of them. But I think Michael Thomas is an exception, and I saw last year there's enough volume in a Drew Brees passing attack for multiple guys to have incredible seasons. Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas being both of those guys. Willie Sneed had a lot of value as well. There's just so many touchdowns and so many yards to go around. If you think about it, Drew Brees has thrown for over 5,000 years in like every single season in his career. It's insane. So there's a lot of volume in that offense, which is why I have, I have no problem with drafting lots of Saints receivers anymore. Um, now that I've studied a little bit more. So Michael Thomas, great option, especially now that Brandon Cooks is gone. There's going to be that many more targets um, to go around. So yeah, Michael Thomas, great option. Number eight is T.Y. Hilton. He actually, I have been avoiding him lately, and I'm not sure if that's the right decision or not, but I'm just 
thinking better safe than sorry. Um, with the injury concern around Andrew Luck, if you look at the stats, uh, when T.Y. Hillen plays without Andrew Luck on the field, uh, his, his overall production goes down by 30%. Uh, just because we're not sure when Andrew Luck is going to come back, I mean, his value has gone down a ton. He was being drafted as the number four quarterback, I believe, in like the fourth or fifth round. Now he's practically going undrafted. And for some reason, that hasn't translated into T.Y. Hilton moving down the ranks. I'm not sure why that is. Um, so as long as Andrew Luck is on the field, T.Y. Hilton's going to be a stud and definitely worth a pick this high. It's just because of the concern with Andrew Luck that I'm not sure if Hilton is worth a pick this high. Number nine is Doug Baldwin. And that this is a guy who I'm not really... Oh, until this year, I didn't really hear a lot about him. Um, but Doug Baldwin has quietly been a top 10 receiver uh, very consistently, and that's not something I would have expected. I mean, I did see if his name pop up a few times last year where he had like a two-touchdown or two touchdown game, three-touchdown game, but he's not. I mean, Jordy Nelson, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hill, these are guys you hear about pretty much every week. Doug Baldwin, I feel like, kind of goes under the radar. Um, until this year, now he's being drafted pretty high, and it is appropriate. I mean, he's very, very consistent. Uh, and really, I feel like probably the only receiving threat. I shouldn't say that. Um, but on the Seahawks, definitely the most obvious receiving threat, as we talked about before, Jermaine Curse, Tyler Lockett. Neither of them really ever considered in fantasy leagues just because they don't have the production to match. Um, but Doug Baldwin, 1,100 yards less, or projected to have 1,100 yards, six touchdowns this year. I think he can definitely outperform that. Um, the CX do have Jimmy Graham to take some red zone touches away, but other than that, there's not really a lot of guys who can take away the volume that Doug Baldwin is going to get this year. Number 10, Brandon Cooks, uh, now on the New England Patriots, as we all know, and this is a guy I originally was avoiding him at first as well, just because the Patriots have so many guys to throw to. They've got their four running backs. They had Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Danny Amendola. So many options. Malcolm Mitchell, Rob Gronkowski, Dwayne Allen. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on him now, though, because Julian Edelman has been injured. That's a big target share. Um, and I know some of that production is going to go to his replacements, Danny Amendola and Chris Hogan. Probably a little bit of Malcolm Mitchell as well. Um but Brandon Cooks, I feel like he's going to get an uptick in production in the, from this. And he's definitely the most proven on their roster. Uh, Amendola's been a guy, he's been around longer but hasn't done as much. And then Chris Hogan, Malcolm Mitchell, both young guys who, um, they're going to have their place. But I think Brandon Cooks is definitely the biggest guy in the offense besides possibly Rob Gronkowski. So I have no fear picking him at number 10. Wide receiver 10 is Demarius Thomas. Um... And this is one I have a little hesitation about. We're kind of, we're, I feel like the 11 is about to drop off um, from the top guys to the second tier. Um, and he's one I have some hesitations about just because of the quarterback situation. Uh, that we, we don't really know who's going to play for them. And we know Trevor Simeon, um, he's officially been named the starter for week one. But how long he'll remain the starter, Paxton Lynch could... Uh, he potentially could take that job away at some point in the season, and neither of them have really performed that well, and that's the reason that I don't really like him in standard. In PPR, it's a different story because he does get a lot of volume. That's where I'd be most comfortable drafting him, but in standard, I feel like he probably shouldn't be drafted this high. Wide receiver 12 is DeAndre Hopkins. 
This is another guy that I don't really like up this high. Uh, Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, whoever is going to be throwing to him throughout the season. Um, they're both definitely better than Brock Osweiler, but I still, uh, after last year, it's so hard for me to trust him. And I feel like he definitely could live up to his his average draft pick, his wide receiver 12 ranking, but I don't know. Personally, I just can't do it after having him in a few leagues last year and really, really getting let down. Um, yeah, I was high on him last year, and I was wrong. Um, this year, I don't want to buy into the hype. So, um, uh, Personally, I'm avoiding him, but you'll have to weigh the decisions for yourself. Um, they don't really have a lot of other receiving options. They do have Will Fuller, but he currently has a broken collarbone, um, and it will be out for two to four weeks in the regular season-ish. So he's really their only option besides C.J. Fedorowicz at tight end. But still, I I would be careful when drafting him. Wide receiver 13, Amari Cooper. Um, I think he's going to do very well this year. I know a lot of people are saying that last year, including myself. But, I mean, it didn't really happen, but he still did play very well. I think this year it will be even better. He did get a lot of touchdowns taken away from Michael Crabtree last year. I think it's going to be split a little more even this year. And Cooper, his some people are going to be skeptical just because uh, this is what was said last year, but I still think that he is going to break out. Um, Derek Carr is continuing to improve, and I have no fear drafting him this high. Number 14 is Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper's teammate, so the two Oakland receivers going back-to-back. And that just goes to show you how volatile of an offense this Raiders team has. Uh, They also have Jared Cook at tight end. Uh, They got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield. So this is a very dynamic offense. I think if one of them gets injured, that really changes the dynamic because they don't have a lot of depth on their roster. But while the starters are all healthy, this is going to be a very good offense. And we saw that last year, Michael Crabtree, as I mentioned, taking a lot of touchdowns. Uh, he even had at least one, possibly a few, three-touchdown games. Um, I wouldn't expect that again this year. I think his touchdowns are definitely going to go down. But just because of the volume that he's going to get with him and Cooper being really the only options in this passing attack, I think he's going to get a lot of receptions, a lot of touchdowns again. Um, so, yeah, I feel like there's a few guys that are that I haven't mentioned yet that I could draft above him but overall I think this is a pretty solid ranking for him gonna start moving a little more quickly here number 15 is Emmanuel Sanders another one that I don't really like just due to uh, the questionable quarterback situation in Denver Uh, Demarius Thomas I like him a lot more than Emmanuel Sanders if you like Thomas is the volume guy Sanders is kind of the deep threat on the team and with the just because of um, the inconsistency, I'm not really targeting him in my drafts. Number 16 is Terrell Pryor with the Washington Redskins now. Um, and he's one that I do think is going to do very well. He's joining a Kirk Cousins team that has lost to Sean Jackson and Pierre Garçon. Um, so Pryor really is going to be the focal point of this offense. Um, maybe not the volume guy. I feel like that could be Jamison Crowder, but he's definitely going to have a lot of touchdowns. He's 6'4", so he's a big body in the red zone, which... They don't really have anywhere else. So I think he's going to be a big target for Kirk Cousins. And the potential to have a really big year, possibly double-digit touchdowns and a lot of yards. Wide receiver 17 is Larry Fitzgerald. When you think about it, it is crazy he's ranked this high because you think, how old is this guy? He's possibly the oldest receiver that's still playing. 
but he's still so good. Last year, he had so much volume. Another guy that is going to have a lot more value in PPR leagues, but even if you're not in PPR, I, Fitzgerald is going to have value. He is a target in the red zone still. He gets a fair amount of touchdowns. And you think about who else the Cardinals have at receiver. They got John Brown. Um, they lost Michael Floyd, so they don't really have a lot. And still, Arizona's offense is going to run through David Johnson. Um, there's no question about that. But still, there's going to be volume in the passing attack. And Bruce Arians, the coach of the Cardinals, has gone on record saying, we have two receivers. So it's kind of a blunt way to put it, but he considers Fitzgerald and John Brown to be really the only options in this passing attack. And Fitzgerald just gets so much volume, I have no problem taking him this high, despite his age. Number 18 is Golden Tate for Detroit. Um, this is a little higher. I feel like in the actual drafts, he goes lower than this, which is why I've been targeting him quite a bit. Um, he's the number one receiver in this Detroit attack, and they've lost Anquan Bolden, who took a lot of touchdowns last year. Who else do they have in Detroit? I can't really think of anybody besides rookies. They have Eric Ebron at tight end, who's probably going to get injured. It seems like he has that a lot. He's already having some lingering issues. To Golden Tate, I feel like the offense is going to run through him. He's going to be very good in PPR as well, getting a lot of targets. Number 19 is Devontae Adams. Um, and I do think I'm a Packer fan, but I have a hard time drafting him this high after... Even though he did very well last season, the previous year he didn't do well at all. He struggled with a lot of drops. And while I think he is putting that past him, um, it's hard to buy into him that much after just one good season. Um, so yeah, even though I'm a fan of him and I hope he does well, I think there are probably more consistent options you could get. But you never know. He does have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football. Number 20 is Alshon Jeffrey. Some people are questioning him because he has been injured in the past, but I'm buying into him. Um, he's going to have a very good offense here in Philadelphia with the Eagles. It's him and Torrey Smith and then Zach Ertz. Uh, and they have some pretty good running backs as well. Uh, Carson Wentz has been really surrounded with a lot of weapons, and I think their offense is going to take a big step up. Alshon Jeffrey will be a big part of that and will be getting a lot of touchdowns, a lot of targets. Uh, Jeffrey has been one of the top uh, red zone targeted receivers in the past few years, despite his injury. Um, part of that is just because Jay Cutler likes to look for big bodies in the red zone, but Jeffrey still is going to be a big threat for touchdowns and yards as well. I think he's going to get a lot of volume. Number 21 is Des Bryant, um, who has an injury history of his own, but I think... Um, I, obviously, we can't predict injury, but as long as he's healthy, he's going to be very good. I think they're going to be the Cowboys are going to be passing more, uh, especially while Elliott is um, on suspension, and that's going to give him a lot of volume. We've already seen the chemistry that Prescott and Bryant had this preseason. Uh, started to develop a lot towards the end of the last season, uh, and a lot of people didn't think Bryant was worth where he was drafted last year. Um, because he didn't seem to get a lot of touchdowns, but they really, he started to do a lot better towards the end of the season, and I think that's because that's when he wasn't just on the field as a decoy. Um, he, he started playing before he was really healed from his injury. I think once he started to really recover, he and Prescott got their chemistry down, and they really started to improve. Number 22, Jarvis Landry. Guys, honestly, I'm not drafting him. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, if he's throwing to him, Landry's good enough in PPR. I don't think he's good enough in standard at all. 
So even before they got Cutler instead, I don't think Landry's worth a pick. Especially now that Cutler's there, I think his main target is going to be Devontae Parker. So Jarvis Landry does not worth a pick this high for me. Number 23, Tyreek Hill. And he definitely uh, is due for a regression. Uh, it seemed like he scored almost every time he touched the ball. I believe it was 13% of his touches last year ended up scoring for him. That's crazy. It's definitely not going to stay consistent in that way. But he is going to be a bigger part of the offense. I know that. The coaches have said it. Um, so he's not going to be just the guy who goes down the field really deep on every play. He's going to get some volume. He's going to get some catches. Um, another team that I don't really know who else they have at receiver. I know Chris Conley from a previous conversation I had. Obviously, they have Travis Kelsey, and then they have their running backs. But Tyreek Hill, I think, is going to be a lot better. Um, he's going to take a step up from his rookie year in talent. It uh, may not translate to as many touchdowns. That's definitely due for a regression. But he's still a very good pick. Allen Robinson is at number 24. Another guy, I don't trust Blake Bortles. That's really all I have to say about Allen Robinson. I'm not picking him. Number 25 is Keenan Allen. People are concerned about his injury, but I don't think that that's going to return. Two years ago, his injury was a lacerated kidney. That's not one that's going to affect you anymore. Once it heals, it's healed, and it's not something that's going to recur. Last year also, I don't think, he got injured in week one, which means he's had that much more time to recover. Um, and he's, I've seen his off-season workouts. I've heard people talk about him in Chargers camp. He's looking just fine. He's going to do great. He's especially good in PPR because he gets a lot of volume. Uh, the Chargers do have a lot more weapons on offense now, but Keenan Allen, I, I think Philip Rivers performs much better when Keenan Allen on the field, and that is for a reason. So he's a good pick. 26, Calvin Benjamin. I know uh, Mike Clay, um, he does a column called wide receiver cornerback matchups, um, and he's just looked at the entire year, and Kelvin Benjamin has by far, for a number one receiver, the easiest matchups for uh, cornerbacks over the entire year. So that's a reason that, um, despite a disappointing year last year, I think his season is going to be looking up. And a guy that I've been targeting in drafts, and I have in quite a few leagues, 27, Jamison Crowder. Um, every time I pick him, I seem to get a bad draft grade because I think I pick him too early. But I don't think that's the case. I think he's going to lead the Redskins in targets. I think he's going to take a step up from last year. Probably won't get as many touchdowns because I think Terrell Pryor is going to take some of those. But definitely will be getting a lot of volume underneath. Um, so, yeah, I am I think he is a decent pick. 28 on this list is Pierre Garçon in Frisco. Um, and he's not being drafted this high. He's being drafted a lot lower. Um, so he's he's a good pick where he's been at. He's been... Drafted is like wide receiver 40 almost, which is crazy when you consider he's the number one receiver. Um, the 49ers are a team that's going to be scoring a lot of points in garbage time, I feel like, because their defense is so bad. Um, their offense is pretty decent, though, so I think they're going to be involved in some shootouts potentially. And Pierre Garcon is a number one receiver, definitely has a chance to get a lot of volume. Number 29, Sammy Watkins. Um, I feel like here he's a decent pick, but I know he's being drafted a lot higher than this, which is why I would not pick him. Um, he's going to go earlier than I'm comfortable with. Um, just having Jared Goff throwing him on the throwing him the football. Um, he's with a new team, so he doesn't. He's not going to be as familiar with the offense. Not going to have the chemistry. Um, not going to know the playbook as well. So just a guy, despite his obvious upside, um, but that all that combined with his injury history. I will have to pass on him. 
And number 30, Martavis Bryant. I think he's being drafted higher than this, but he has so much upside in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense um, already with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, obviously, who are going to have a lot of volume. But I think Martavis Bryant, like the number two receiver role, um, it's open in Pittsburgh, and Bryant's going to fill that. Um, when he was on the field, he was suspended for part of last year, which, I mean, that obviously took away from his value. But two years ago, when he was on the field, he did very, very well. And I think he will continue that as long as he's actually reinstated, which apparently that hasn't happened yet. So I don't see any reason it won't, but I also don't know why it hasn't happened already. So um, he definitely will do well as long as he actually gets reinstated into the league. But as of right now, he's not clear to play. 31 is Stefan Diggs for the Minnesota Vikings, especially in PPR, another uh, big volume guy for this offense. Um, he's not going to get as many touchdowns. A lot of the, the touchdowns in the Vikings attack go to Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, but he gets a lot of volume, passes underneath, and has the potential to do more as long as they're willing to stretch the field. Uh, just not something that they've really done with Sam Bradford at quarterback. 32, Willie Sneed. I think he definitely has upside for more as well, as I've talked about in, in Drew Brees' passing attack. You can't really go wrong. There's so many, there's so much volume to go around, and Willie Sneed is going to be a big part of that. Again, especially with Brandon Cooks gone, there's that bunch more to go around. Devontae Parker, his next, number 33. I've already talked about him. He has a lot of value. It looks like he has a lot of chemistry with Jake Cutler already, and he's going to be... I think he'll be bigger than Jarvis Landry has been. He's going to get a lot of red zone looks, I think. Jay Cutler is a guy, as I've mentioned, who loves to look at the same big guys in the red zone. Um, when he played for the Bears, Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey um, both were in the top five in red zone targets. So if both, if he can sustain two guys in the red zone, now he's only got one big receiver, imagine how many looks Devontae Parker is going to get in the red zone. Um, so I think he has the potential for a lot of touchdowns. So he's a great pick, a great value pick at where he's being drafted currently. 34 is Brandon Marshall, and I think he's actually been drafted lower than this as well, which is shocking to me. He's a very obvious red zone, red zone threat, which I think Eli Manning really likes to have. Um, and obviously he does have Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard to contend with in the passing offense. But the Giants are in the top 10 in passing attempts pretty much every year. Um, and often they've been in like the top five, so a lot of volume to go around. And Marshall's an obvious touchdown guy. Uh, I don't. I think last year was a fluke with the Jets. Uh, it's just because the Jets' quarterbacks were garbage. Um, and while Eli Manning isn't a great quarterback, he's definitely a lot better than the Jets were. Marshall's going to do a lot better this year. Next is Dante Moncrief for the Indianapolis Colts. Another one I've talked about this. Andrew Luck. As long as he's not on the field, I don't really have any faith in the Colts' offense. Scott Tolzien, I've seen him play for the Packers. He really is not that great. So um, if you draft him, don't play him while Andrew Luck's on the field. That's really all I have to say. Um, and uh, actually, there is another thing. He is a touchdown guy, but if he doesn't get touchdowns, he's not going to have much value. He usually is a guy who gets like 40 yards at a touchdown. And if he doesn't get that touchdown, he's got 40 yards. Four points is not going to help you that much uh, if you're starting him. So only play him with Andrew Luck, and even then, there's probably better options. 36, Jeremy Macklin uh, for Baltimore this year. He's number two. At least I thought he was going to be number two to Mike Wallace. However, I haven't seen Mike Wallace on the list yet. 
Um, but I think Mike, Mike Wallace is more of a deeper guy, whereas Macklin is more of a possession receiver, so I can see why he's ranked higher. Um, but again, Baltimore is the, the number one passing, the team that passes the most times in two or three se- seasons straight. So there's a lot of volume to go around. Um, and I can definitely, I mean, for an, a potentially number one uh, or potentially number two receiver in that kind of offense, he's got upside here. Definitely worth the pick. 37, Randall Cobb. Uh, underwhelming in the past two years, but I think at 37, you can't really go wrong with that, despite having a few guys that are probably going to get more targets than him. 38 is Deshaun Jackson with Tampa Bay. Um, He's the one I've talked about in previous seasons where he's pretty much either two touchdowns and 160 yards or like 30 yards, and that's it. So especially in PPR, he's not that good. Um, Standard, he's a little better, but still a big boomer bust guy. So I'd like to see him uh, play in a few games with Jameis Winston before I really decide on how valuable he's going to be for my team. Number 39, Adam Thielen. Um, another one that's kind of hard to predict. He came on at the end of last season. Um, and had a really big game in the last the last regular season game, I, was, I believe it was, against the Packers. But then again, the Packers have a terrible secondary. I would know. Um, so uh, hard to say how well he's going to do, but I mean, at wide receiver 39, uh, you're pretty much going for flyers at this point anyway. Um, so I think he's a good dart throw the team uh, because Sam Bradford doesn't really throw the deep ball that much that does change things a little bit but again dart throw can't really go wrong number 40 Jordan Matthews for Buffalo and I am worried about the Buffalo receivers in general uh, because of the things we've talked about before Tyrod Taylor having issues uh, the Bills kind of being in reboot mode and sounds like they're basically tanking the season um, so that they can get a higher draft pick but uh, at the wide receiver 40, uh, a number one receiver is going to get a lot of volume. Again, can't go wrong with that. Now that we're through the top 40, I'm going to start moving even faster. and Eventually, I'll be getting to just kind of flyers that I feel like should be probably ranked a little higher. Uh, 41 is Kenny Brett for Cleveland. I think he's a good bet for, uh, especially where he's ranked, he's the number one uh, threat in this offense, and I don't really know what the quarterback play is going to be like with Deshaun Kaiser, but I feel like Britt definitely has potential to do well, especially at his ADP. Mike Wallace at number 42, just talked about him along with Jeremy Macklin. I think he has a lot of volume in the Baltimore passing attack, so another one that I've been targeting late. 43, Marvin Jones. Uh, he really, he started off hot last season, didn't really do that well after that. Um, so I didn't really like him, but I mean, when you think about it, it is 43 overall. And again, they've got Golden Tate on that offense, not a whole lot else. I think they've got a rookie receiver who's starting to heat up, it sounds like. But um, Marvin Jones has potential to do um, more. And I mean, again, dart throws at this point in the draft. Corey Davis for Tennessee is next. He definitely has potential to do well, but he also has Eric Decker and Rashard Matthews to contend for with targets. So I think barring injury to one of those two, he's not going to have a ton of value, especially early on in the season. 45 is Eric Decker. Um, I actually just mentioned him. They're ranked back-to-back, I guess. 
Um, I don't know why Decker's ranked below Davis, to be frank. I think Decker's going to get a lot of uh, looks in the red zone. I think uh, Tennessee is a team that's probably going to look to run first in the red zone. But once they get to pass, De Decker's the obvious target there. So I think he should be ranked higher than this, probably. 46 is Tyrell Williams, who really, really performed well last year, especially in the absence of Keenan Allen. Um, I'm not sure why he's being drafted this low, to be honest. I think he's another one that is going to be good and one that I've been targeting. 47, Kevin White. His value's gone up since Cameron Meredith went down, but personally I'm a little worried about him getting injured again, uh, and I haven't been drafting him. 48, Torrey Smith, uh, the number two option in Philadelphia. And again, I I think the Eagles' offense is going to be very good this year. Uh, Torrey Smith, um, I don't know what to think about him. I feel like this is probably appropriate since there's so many question marks around him. But another guy who has potential to do a lot better. 49 is Ted Ginn Jr., uh, who plays for the Saints now. He's the number three option. Another guy who's pretty much a deep threat. He'll get the deep balls, uh, touchdown a lot of yards, or he'll get nothing. It's hard to say which. 50 is Richard Matthews, who, despite, I think, being the number one receiver, is ranked the lowest of the Tennessee wide receivers ranked, which is kind of surprising to me. He did very well last year, and he's the only one who's been on the team longer than just this year. So I think he probably... Maybe not better than Decker, but I still would rank him higher than Corey Davis if it's me. 51 is Chris Hogan. Um, I think, again, there's a lot of volume to go around in the Patriots offense, but he's not one that I would be starting week to week. He could potentially if there's another injury in that team, but I think he's going to be a boomer bust. 52 is Marquise Lee. I'm little, again, Blake Bortles, not super high on that. Uh, Allen Robinson, I feel like, is a deep threat throw, and Marquise Lee is more of a possession receiver. He was the most consistent receiver on the Jags last year, so honestly, uh, especially, I mean, when you can factor in where they're being drafted, Marquise Lee is the better Jags option for me. 53, Zay Jones, he's another, he's a flyer that I've been targeting in one of my last two picks pretty much every draft. He has, uh, he is the rookie receiver who I feel like has the biggest potential uh, to do very, very well. He really only has Jordan Matthews to contend with, and to, especially since Jordan Matthews is injured right now. The door is open for Zay Jones. He has a, he has a potential. We'll see if he takes it or not. 54 is Cole Beasley. He I haven't drafted him yet just because I haven't seen him on the board. I kind of forgot about him, but I think he he was very consistent last year. He got like pretty much 60 yards every game, uh, and he was a guy I was starting as a wide receiver three in one league when I... Uh, pretty much ran out of options, but he's very, very consistent and definitely a guy who's worth a target, I think, in this late draft. 55, Sterling Shepard. Um, this late in the draft, it's fine, but I, w I think this is an appropriate ranking because there's not really... I mean, especially with Brandon Marshall, I think he's going to take away a lot of the targets Shepard would have gotten before, uh, and really is not going to have a lot of touchdown upside at all. That's as far as I'm going to go in the official rankings, just because we're really, really into dart throw territory at this point. But there are two names I want to mention quickly. Uh, one of them is John Brown. I talked about him when we were at Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, he's really the John Brown is really the only other option besides Fitzgerald. I think being drafted at 58 is kind of crazy. He should be a guy that you're targeting late. Uh, the, I think the reason he's going this low is just because he does have an injury that's kind of lingering right now. But assuming he can get past that, he's going to have a lot more value than where he's being drafted right now. 
The second one is Kenny Galladay. He's the Detroit receiver that I couldn't think of the name of earlier when I was talking about Marvin Jones and Golden Tate. But it sounds like Galladay's a guy who's going to have more value as the season goes on. So another one to potentially target late in your draft. All right, everyone, that is all I've got for today. Thank you for listening, as always. Um, one quick thing. Uh, if you if you guys could leave a rating for or leave a review for the podcast on iTunes, that would mean so much to me. Um, really, that would be awesome. I that would make my day. But um, basically, that really, really affects rankings on iTunes. So I will leave um, the link to that will be the title of this segment. So if you just tap on that and go leave a review, that would be amazing. I mean, uh, if you if you do it, let me uh, leave a comment or something. If you have a station, I'd be happy to do that for you as well. I'd go listen to your stuff. Just um, That'd really be doing me a favor, so if you need a favor from me, I'd be happy to give you one back. So that would be awesome if you could do that. So as always, I'm Jacob Gallopo. Uh, thanks for the ratings. And uh, be sure to follow me on Twitter at NFLFanaticPod. Thanks again. I will catch you next time. In breaking news, the Texans have extended two big guys in their offense since I recorded this original part, so I'm just going to throw it on to the end here. <clears throat> the first one is their tight end, C.J. Fedorowicz. Just got a three-year extension worth $21.5 million with $10 million guaranteed. Um, this is a pretty good amount of money for a tight end who I didn't really think uh, had a huge role in this offense, but if they're willing to give him this much money, maybe he will become a bigger part of the offense. I know he sort of started to produce uh, quite a bit at the end of last season, but it sounds like this is going to roll into next year, and they might have big plans for him that I don't know about, so that might be worth looking into, but three-year extension for Fedorowicz. And the second extension was for DeAndre Hopkins, and he is getting the largest guaranteed money or the largest amount of guaranteed money of any wide receiver in NFL history, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Uh, he's beating out Antonio Brown and Odell and Julio Jones and Jordy Nelson, all those guys. He's now getting, it's a five-year, $81 million contract with $49 million of that guaranteed money. Um, they obviously still have faith in him even after a dismal year last year. Hopefully they also realize that Brock Osweiler was the issue, and it seems like they do with the amount of money they were willing to give him. So, big extension for Hopkins. How happy for him. I'm wondering how that's going to turn into production, but that will have to be seen once the season begins.